Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for that warm welcome. Amen. I feel old. (laughs) To uh, be specific, Taya was my daughter's best friend. And so as teenagers, uh, Pastor Adam and Taya were always at our house. Always at our house. And... uh, (laughs) And so it was one of those, I had to be on my best behavior because, you know, we had young, impressionable kids, you know, all over the house and stuff. But it's just great to see what God's done in their lives through the years, their faithfulness in Bulgaria and then here. And just tremendous to see what God's doing uh, in this place. Well, hopefully I will pass your test and you'll be back again tonight, amen. And so Genesis chapter 45, just a pastor, uh, just a great honor as always, great privilege for me to come and stand behind your pulpit and to minister to your flock, amen. I tell people all the time, pastors are very protective of their church and God does that for a reason. The Bible talks about the heart of a shepherd that he puts this in pastors to protect their flock, that they, 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 they become like mothers, fathers, if you will. And uh, so for a pastor, for a shepherd to allow me to come and stand behind his pulpit, just a great privilege for me, amen, that uh, uh, it, it means you're trusted, amen. And so 
Uh, my son Paul sends his greetings from Lima. Uh, Chandler just sent an impact team. They, they just got home last week and had a great time. I uh, ask you to pray. He needs a miracle building. Uh, they're running uh, in the 80s, and uh, uh, they, they need a bigger building. They need a miracle. My prayer is somewhere there's a building owner that God's going to speak to him and say, you need to give that man uh, uh, the building, you know, the, your vacant building. And so if you would pray that with me, but uh, just uh, God's hand is just moving powerfully there. And just great. I was telling someone earlier, so it's, a long, it's a long way. He's come a long way from me visiting him in county jail. Uh, and uh, just uh, incredible to see what God's doing in that place. And then I also razz him that maybe one day he'll actually invite his father to come and preach. Uh, you, you know, for him. Amen. And so anyway, I'm not bitter. You, you know, I just, anyway. Genesis chapter 45, again, just a great privilege. One of the biggest misconceptions that people have uh, in the kingdom is that there are folks, and I use the term uh, religious folks or folks with a mistaken religious attitude, that once you get saved, the kingdom is all rainbows and buttons and gummy bears and just this wonderful gumdrop trail. And the reality is, in the kingdom, there are difficult times. In the kingdom, there are dark times. The Bible talks about mountains. Yay! We all love the mountaintop experience, don't we? Uh, you know, we love when we've got the victory. We love it. The car's running. The rent is paid. There's food in the refrigerator and gas in the car and money actually in the savings account. And we, we give God praise. People stand up and give testimonies. You're like, oh, God's so good. I got the job. Yeah, you know, and everything. But, you know, in between those mountaintops are valleys. And we're going to have our share of valleys. And people don't like to talk about that. I learned an interesting medical fact uh, a number of years ago and talking with some pediatricians and folks that they work with with kids. It's an interesting fact. Too much sunshine is bad for you. Kind of an interesting, I mean, because, you know, we like, I don't know about you, I like the sunshine. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, you know, when I was born, my parents paid the extra 50 bucks and I got auto tan, you know, and it's, it's well worth 50 bucks. It's a lifetime auto tan, you know, walk outside, the sun is shining and it's like, oh, oh wow, you tan so nicely. 50 bucks, man, you know. And, and, but the problem, though, is your eyes are rejuvenated in darkness, in fact, infants and toddlers, more and more hospitals are starting to put the little blindfolds on babies when they're in, in, in their, uh, I guess, neo, would you call it neonatal? Or, I, I don't know their department. Pediat just says pediatrics. When the babies, when the, the kids are, are in the hospital, that more and more hospitals are starting to put those little sleep covers 
uh, over their eyes because, of course, you go in a hospital, there's fluorescent lighting and everything in there. And they discovered years ago that visual purple, the fluid in your eye, that's called visual purple. In reality, the word's like this long. But what it is, visual purple is the fluid in your eyeball that lets you see at night. And we understand at night your pupils dilate to try to absorb as much light as it can. But visual purple is that chemical fluid in your eyeball that allows you to see. Because how many, how many have ever heard about, you know, old people? You know, I'm in that place now. I don't like driving at night. You know, I'm driving down the highway and I can't, okay, I see all these headlights. Which is connected to what, you know? Is that a motorcycle coming or a car with one headlight out, you know? And, 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 and what's happening is visual purple depletes as you get older. But when you're young, it's fresh, it's, it's, that, it's, it's very potent, but it needs pitch darkness to develop. And so this is why more and more it's, uh, it's, these professionals are saying, don't put a nightlight in your baby's room. You need a room as dark as possible because the darker the room, the more stronger the visual purple develops in the eyeball. And why is this important? Because you've got to be able to see in the darkness. That down the road, when it's dark, you've got to be able to see. And God will do the same thing in our lives. That we all are going to go through times of darkness. We'll go through times, every one of us, not just once, but many times. We're going to go through those chapters of life that I call God, where are you? God, do you even hear my prayers? God, I've done your will. And this? We are about to read one of the final chapters of Joseph. This is, I call this the victory revelation chapter of Joseph. He's about to meet his brothers after years, after 20-some-odd years. Remember, they mugged him, beat him up, threw him in a pit, sold him to the Midianites uh, as a slave. And 20-some-odd years have now separated. They don't recognize Joseph. Because remember, the Egyptians, they were the original emu guys, you know, that, you know, you, you, you know how the, 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 I don't know, was it uh, mascara? You know, you know what I mean? They used to do the eye thing, the eyeliner, the mascara, you know, and now you see these women with that streak that comes like all the way, and the, well, the Egyptians invented that. <laughs> you know, and they were the original, like, hey man, how you feeling? I don't know. You know, and, 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 and so they, they, they wore the, the rouge and the whole. And so he's sitting on the throne. The brothers come in and have no idea. This is their little brother that they mugged years ago. Okay? But listen to me carefully. This is the victory chapter. Yay! Yeah, but read some chapters prior. He's, like I said, betrayed by his brothers 
those that you would think he could totally trust and depend on turned on him. He's thrown into a pit. He's sold into slavery. Potiphar buys him. He's betrayed by Potiphar's wife. That's a whole other sermon. He's framed for attempted rape and then thrown in an Egyptian prison. And how many know, you better watch out when you're a Jew in an Egyptian prison, okay? Forgotten by those that that he, he trusted again. He said, when you get out of prison, remember me. Yeah, I'll remember, I'll remember you. And three minutes later, they totally forgot him. Now we pick up the victory chapter. Verse 1, Genesis chapter 25. I call this sermon the place of God. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Okay, he's, he's crying, man. If people... Your, your neighbors can hear you. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved, Or be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there's still five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Father, I pray right now for the anointing. God, I pray, fill this place with your presence. Lord, I pray, help me to give a clear trumpet sound, Lord, to your people, a clear word, God. Help me bring an encouraging word to to those that are in their time of darkness, in their valley. I pray, help me to give a word of hope in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's talk, first of all, about a mistaken mentality. So I was talking, like I said, in the introduction, that, that, that we think some people, how many have ever had people come in on a Sunday morning and, and they go, well, we're looking for the perfect church? Ever had those? I mean, I've been doing this for almost 40 years. Next year, it'll be 40 years. And and, and I, you know, I've lost track through the years. How many times people, well, we're just looking for the perfect church. You know, we're looking for the right church. And I'm thinking, if you find it, don't go. You're going to ruin it. You, you know, and, and what they're saying is we're looking for that great experience. We're looking for that great, you know, and, and the, but the place doesn't exist. As long as you have flawed people, it's going to be a flawed church. There is no perfect church. But another misconception, like I said, is that everybody thinks that in the kingdom, it's all ups. You know, it's ups, it's ups, and it's ups, and up. And what do I mean by that? It's like, when we got saved, you know, we we ever had, you have testimony service, and you have the guy standing there, uh, 
I was a drug addict, and uh, I was I was in prison, you know, and people, ah, and Jesus saved me, you know, ah, and, you know, people cheer. Well, you get the other guy, you know, you know, she, you know, you know, his sister stands up there and she goes, "I was a serial killer before I gave my heart to Jesus," you know, and 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 uh, I, yeah, you know, and people go, ah, you know, and then the new convert, you know, he testifies a, a little while later. I just want to give God praise. I applied for a job and I got a job. I got my first real paying job. And people, and they're all excited. And so what's he doing? He's testifying, God just took me up. I was, I was a drug addict and I got saved. He took me up. And then a little while later, they testify again. I was unemployed. I couldn't hold a job. I had, you know, uh, the cooties and nobody would hire me. But so-and-so, you know, they gave me a job. And what are you testifying? God took me up. And then a little while later, oh, I want to give God praise because he made me a Bible study leader. I, I came in six months ago addicted to drugs and I saved. Now I got a job and, and he's made me a Bible study leader. Step up. And then a little while later, you know, oh, and I just want to praise God, you know, that, that I, got a, I got a woman now. It, you know, well, they don't really say it like that. You know? <laughs> but, but they say, you know, I want to praise God because I asked Agatha to, to marry me. And she said, yeah, and I'm going to end the church. <sighs> and, and what do they do that? God took me up, right? And so we go, the kingdom is all about ups and ups and ups and ups. But wait a second, but we read Joseph's book. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's like he's testifying, I just want to give God praise. My father gave me a coat of many colors. This is favor and recognition plus favoritism, you know. And, and, and I just want to give God praise. And the next month he's like, uh, I just got mugged by my brothers and thrown in a pit. And, and, then, and then when I thought it couldn't get worse, I got sold into slavery. And uh, I got bought by this dude named Potiphar. And his wife, uh, she put the moves on me. And, and I stood for God. And I preached to her and I said, you need to give your heart to the Lord. And uh, I got thrown in prison. And prison life? Well, that doesn't make sense, right? Because the kingdom is all, no, 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 no. It's ups. It's ups. The kingdom is all about ups. And But wait a minute. Hold, hold on. And the people right there would go, oh, Joseph, you be hiding some sin. Remember Job? Stop this jibber-jabber. You know, you're living in sin. You're hiding sin, Job. Things like this don't happen to good people. But he's like, as God is my witness, man. I'm serving God. Quit lying. Things like this don't happen to good people. Job's, Job, you're going the wrong way. God's people go this way. Joseph, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's people go this way, Right? Anybody here ever play football? Anybody play high school football? Okay. So my grandson, I got a 13-year-old grandson, and he plays football. And so he's playing linebacker one game, and I'm watching him, 
And uh, uh, him and me, we have our own codes. Because, you know, you never trust the coach. <laughs> and so, so he'd be out there, and, and, and he's, you know, he's, he's playing, and then, all, you, know, you know, and I'd be yelling, Omaha! 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 You know, and, 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 and he, you know, and, and, you know, and, 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 you know, the coach is going, what the heck? You know? <laughs> but he, runs would be coming, and the runner would get past him. And I'm watching, and after the game, I said, son, this is the problem. You have to triangulate. If you're going to catch the runner, Grandpa, what do you mean? I said, when the runner's coming, your problem is you're running straight for him. Well, by the time you get there, he's down here. You're never going to catch him. You have to triangulate. What does that mean? You've got to guesstimate. He's going to be here. You don't run after him. You turn and run this way. And you're going to cut him off. You're going to meet him at the pass. God does the same thing. God goes, you have destiny. Destiny is here. A place of blessing, a place of fruitfulness, a place of God's visitation. Joseph, you're not going to get it from here. I have to bring you down to a place where from where you're at, you're going to catch it. And you're going to be where God wants you to be, but you're not, you're not going to reach it from here. I have to bring you here for you to intercept destiny. And this involves a process that most of us, all of us, would not choose on our own. Listen to me carefully. Write this in your Bible or type this in your <laughs> iPad, whatever. The road to destiny isn't paved. Don't, don't you love those nice roads? You know Phoenix is famous for its roads. Phoenix was the first place that they experimented with rubberized asphalt. That you go, you land in Phoenix, you get your rental car, and we'd be driving to the Chandler Conference, and there's stretches of road. You're like, oh, just wonderful. Rubberized asphalt. It's smooth, it's quiet. But how many of you have ever had those roads like, I think the wheels are going to fall off the car. We're staying up in Newport right now. And we're going up, I think it's the 64. And I'm like, dear Lord. I mean, we got in last night like at 11 o'clock, you know, and, and, and we get the rental car. And we're driving, and it's just, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Fix the road, man. The road to destiny is even worse. It's not paved. And there are potholes. There are detours. There are hazards along the way. The road to destiny involves a process that you would not pick. Would Joseph have picked and go, you know what? I want to do something for God. So I want to get beat up. I want to get thrown into a pit. I want to get sold as a slave. 
because nothing's greater than being somebody else's property, you know. And then, and then, and then on top of that, to, to put the cherry on top, oh, sweet Lord, send me to prison. He would never have picked that, would he? And same thing with you and I. The process of destiny involves circumstances that you and I would never choose. There's going to be valleys. There's going to be dark times in our walk with God, just like the babies where they go, no, 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 no. Don't put nightlights in their room. Don't leave the hall lighted. No, no, no. You need to put those kids in the closest thing to pitch darkness you can because it's going to be a blessing later when they're in darkness and they can see. There's going to be times in your life where God is going to put you through things that at the time are causing you tears, but then down the road you're going to go, oh, thank God for this experience because that helped me on a trajectory to intercept God and my destiny. There's a scripture in Jeremiah that always intrigued me. It says, does the clay proclaim to the potter, why have you made me thus? You know, that's King James. The Alvarez translation, does the clay question the potter? Why did you make me like this? It's like the clay. So here's this potter. He's sitting there. And he's, he's decided, what am I going to make today? You know, and so he throws the slab of clay and he starts spinning the wheel and stuff. And the clay doesn't say to the potter, one, if clay starts to you, okay, I'd be like, okay, I don't remember doing drugs, but this clay's talking. And so here, just, you know, it's like the clay, the clay's going, hey, 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 wait a minute. I wanted to be a Stein. I wanted to be one of those cool-looking German Steins, man. I wanted to be a nice big coffee cup, you know. I, I, I wanted to be I one of those that men can come and grab, you know, big old manly handle and slam their coffee. I wanted, you made me a softer? At least make me a cup. You made me a Saucer? There's nothing gayer than a saucer. Are you kidding me? I wanted to be a coffee cup and now women are going to put cookies on me. Does the clay proclaim to the putter? What are you doing? No, put a handle on me. And that's exactly... What the point God's trying to make is, you don't question what I'm doing in your life. That it's going to involve things that you don't want. I'm going to take you on a path you wouldn't pick for yourself. Joseph would have never picked this route. But think about it. We have a nation called Israel today because of him. Ruth, Orpah, and Naomi would have never picked this route. Their husbands are dead. 
Naomi, she's lost her sons and her husband. And here are these three women that there came a point where Orpah goes, no more. I'm done. I'm done. Peace out, you know, or whatever. You know, and she's like, no. And she goes back to her people, never to be heard from again. She quit in the valley. She quit during her dark period. And here, here's Naomi and Ruth, and, and, and you can imagine the emotional. This is the problem when you read the Bible. It, you, you know what I mean? You read text, and you, you're not missing the, the emotion, because you know how women are. <laughs> you know, just go back, go back, girl. Go back, go back, Ruth, to your people. And then here's what... Don't make me, don't tell me anymore to go back. I gotta go back. And you know, and the men are standing around going. <laughs> you know, and, and, and Ruth is going, don't make me go back. Where you go, I'm gonna go. Where you live, I'm gonna live. Your God shall be my God. And God goes, Oh, I like this girl. I like this girl. And in her darkest period, she links her heart with God. I call it, she brought God into the equation. It's like algebra. You know, remember the, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally, remember that. You know, it's like, and you, if you change one thing, if you change the order, remember, the whole, the whole answer is wrong. Listen to me carefully. The moment you add God to the equation, it just changed the answer. From hopelessness to destiny. She said, your God shall be my God. And it changed everything. In her darkest period, she brings God into the equation. And here she is, gleaning in the fields, meets Boaz. And she's grafted into the destiny, into the kingdom. She's grafted into the lineage of, of our Savior Himself, a Moabite woman, that in her darkest period, she goes, I'm bringing God into the equation. The question is, will you do that? Because you see, the story of Orba, it's in there for a reason, that some people can short-circuit their destiny. That in the darkest period, they quit. Because another misconception that Christians have is I must be doing something wrong. Why would this be happening? Billy Graham years ago wrote a book called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Because we have this misconception that if bad things are happening, that if we're going through that chapter called God, where are you? You know, one of the first things we do is we automatically assume God's mad at us that he's punishing us. And I do understand this isn't a justification for sin. This isn't an excuse for sin. That, that no, God does judge sin. And if, if you're living in sin, if you're living in secret sin, no, that's why we have an altar. That God does judge. He, you, you know, be not mocked. You are going to reap what you sow. Okay, but that aside, we have a misconception. Well, God must be mad at me. God's angry with me. Why would this be happening? I've done nothing but that in my heart, 
what I thought was the will of God. I give, I tithe. Why did this financial setback occur? I witness, I, I preach, I, I come to church faithfully. I do the, why did this reversal of life take place? God must be mad at me. No, could it be God goes, you're here, but you're not going to reach where I need you from this angle. I have to take you down. Joseph, you're not going to reach destiny. You're not going to accomplish my will strutting around in your little multicolored vest there. You're not going to reach it from here. I need you when it's all said and done. I need you in an Egyptian prison. Because there's a guy there that I need you to meet. I got laid off. Had a job. I was working in a machine shop. Loved it. Uh, They were training me and... Uh, I was working with my best friend in all the world, Bob Corvo. He was, we, we were like brothers. He was my best friend in all the world. And we worked side by side uh, in this machine shop. It was, it, it was just great. It was just a great. We, we carpooled to work together, you know, worked side by side, had lunch together. And if you knew Bob Corvo, he's, he, he's a comic. I was the serious one. <laughs> I was the more serious of the two. But anyway, Bob and me, we were, we were like brothers. And then we'd get off work, and what do we do? Go fellowship with each other. Wives, we'd get together. Uh, I, I, I just loved it. I just, it was just a wonderful chapter in my life. Then I got fired. Actually, not even fired. The boss calls me. Yeah, we're having to lay off some people. Starting with you. Well, how many people are you laying off? Just you. What do you mean? Well, we didn't get that contract that we were hoping because we had bought equipment, you know, because like, oh, we're getting, we got this, we're getting this contract. Well, he, he assumed, you know what I mean? And so he buys this equipment. Yeah, we're going to train you on this equipment. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. You know, yeah, we didn't get the contract. Uh, we don't need you anymore. So don't come in Monday. And I'm thinking, you gutless wonder, who let somebody go on the phone? At least tell me face to face so I can punch you. <laughs> God was still working issues out in my heart, okay? And so, anyway, so I go looking for a job. Probably, and I get this job, and probably the, this probably is the worst job I've ever had. It was working for Binz Wanger Glass. I hated that job. I'd wake up in the morning and go, oh God, why didn't you kill me last night? I got to go to this job, this stinking job. 
And then not only was it a stinking job, we, we made, our department, we made bulletproof glass. And you worked in a cold room because it, was, it involved sheets, multiple layers, sheets of glass with vinyl in between. And the vinyl had to be cold. And, we, and so we're, we're there. We're wearing these stupid white smocks, these cotton white gloves a gay-looking hairnet, and a hard hat on top of that. We, we, we're just standing there, you know. And, and like I said, it was like a conveyor belt. We're in this room where it's cold. We were wearing jackets, you know, and just it, it was just a miserable job. But while I'm there, I meet Taya's dad. And I'm witnessing to a co-worker and Gary, standing across the, the conveyor belt, looks at me and goes, are you a Christian? I said, I am. Began to witness to him, and him and his wife came to church and got gloriously saved. Had I not lost that job, I would have never been there to meet Taya's dad, and then later... He's witnessing to pastor, future pastor, Ron Meyer. I lived two blocks from Gary, and he calls me up one night, says, I want to witness to my brother-in-law, but, but I, I, I don't want to get tripped out. Could you come over? Sure. And Pastor Ron Meyer, we know the rest of the story. But it began with, I got to let you go. So in other words, I have destiny for you. I have fruitfulness for you, but you're not going to get it from here. I have to take you here. Joseph, I have a future for you, but I have to take you to a place that you would not pick for yourself. Ruth, Naomi, listen to me. I've got fruitfulness for you. I've got a future for you, but it means the death of your husband. Ruth, you're not going to marry Boaz unless your husband dies first. Now, I can feel it already. Someone said, oh, please, Lord, please. (laughs) 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 My doctors... You know, my doctors know I have a sense of humor. After a while, after about the second visit, they have a sense of humor. One day, my wife came with me because she goes, did you tell the doctor about your kidneys? I forgot. Did you tell the doctor about your back? I forgot. Did you tell the doctor about that? You know, finally, I told her, well, why don't you come with me? I'm always forgetting. So one day, she comes with me. We're sitting in the doctor's office, and the doctor goes, are you in pain now? Yes. How long have you been in pain? 45 years. And I go, just joking, Doc. She's a blessing. Just, just, you know. Anyway, I don't know how I got off on that. It's just a, okay, we need to wrap this up. Okay. Let me ask you something. Are you going through a dark time right now? Are you going through a difficult time right now? Could it be, it's not God is mad at you. 
it's God's going, I have to take you down so I can triangulate destiny for you. I mean, we, we sing songs of praise. Tonight, we're singing about the blood of Jesus. We're talking about the healing power of, you know, of Jesus. I mean, here's the cross, the greatest singular event, the greatest event to mankind. Well, someone died for that. That here's Jesus even revealing to the men, listen, listen, I've, I'm going to be, son of, son of man is going to be crucified here. And remember, Peter, no, not so, Lord, not so. You remember? I mean, what a rebuke. Get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine? I mean, in front of your bros, in front of your peers, get behind me, you devil. And I mean, can you imagine all the disciples going, <laughs> what an idiot. But no, no, what Jesus is going, no, listen, if you want this, my Father in heaven has to take me to a place. He has to do this. I mean, we, we plead the blood of Jesus in healing, don't we? You know, yeah, you know I pray the blood of Jesus, deliver. Yeah, yeah, you know. Well, yeah, that means, yeah, why, why is that? Because he spilled his blood on the floor. He spilled his blood in the sand. He was whipped. He was beaten for our sin. His body was marred for us. That he wasn't born in a palace. He's born in a stable. He's not laid in this golden crib. He's laid in an animal's feeder. He didn't live the life of a prince and a king. He lives the life of a humble carpenter. That God goes, no, 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 no. You're not going to reach destiny from this angle. We're not going to redeem man from this angle. You're going to start here. The Bible tells us he left eternity. He left the throne. He leaves the presence of God. And the Father goes from here. From this position. From this angle. We're going to triangulate salvation and forgiveness for man. Every man and woman here in this place, you have a destiny. You have a future. God's destiny involves blessing, yay, fruitfulness, prosperity, destiny, soundness of mind. You can go on and on and on. All the positives, that's true. We, we, we love to name all the mountaintops. Ah, blessing, prosperity, health, all that. Yeah, 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 but listen, but there's valleys in between. You're going you're gonna to get to the mountaintop, you've got to start from the valley. God's not mad at you. He's not out to get you. He's not against you. He's not opposing you. In fact, on the contrary, God's going, no, 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 no. Oh, if you knew what I'm going to do in your life, it would blow your mind. But I've got to start you from this place here to triangulate your destiny. Let's bow our heads. Thank you for listening to this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. When you listen to these inspiring messages, you are helping to send missionaries from the Chandler Bible Conference in September. If you loved what you heard, please send this message to someone that needs to hear it. 
Then, leave us a review using the links in the show notes so that everyone who wants to find this podcast will see it when they search for it. We cannot thank you enough. See you next time.